Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. Bill Crystal, welcome to Donald Trump's America. It's his world. We're just living in it. Oh my God, Michael! You've gone, you've gone south too. You're, you're, you're signing on, Join giving the up, Trump train. yielding, yielding to inevitability. Oh That's my right. God! Even Michael Graham. When you've lost Michael Graham, you've lost. <laughs> Look, you've lost, you've lost three quarters of the Republican Party. I'm not happy. I'm not. I'm as a small government libertarian leaning guy. I'm not happy about it. But come on, 41 percent in a national poll. He's winning in Iowa and New Hampshire. And as I asked the brilliant Steve Hayes on a podcast earlier this week. If you're not going to stop him there, where are you going to stop him? It look, looks like a clear shot all the way to the nomination. Well, first of all, there you know things will happen in February. Even if he wins the first two or three states, it's not like everyone will give up and more information will be, you know, there'll be a real effort to get information to voters that they haven't gotten yet that much about Trump. Trump is, look, he's been impressive. It's worked very well. He's leading right now. But there hasn't been a real sustained assault on Trump, partly because the Bush team is too, happy, too, too, too uh, eager to go after Rubio and all the others are sniping at each other to try to make the finals against Trump. Trump has benefited a lot from that. That will change at some point. I would also say, I mean, the Quinnipiac poll this morning, which is a good poll, I think, of Iowa, has Trump 31, Cruz 29. That, that strikes me as about where the race probably is. Hard to know who turns out turns out of caucuses. Um, but look, if tr- Trump, Iowa's big, and you know what? And uh, most polls show about a third of the voters are very much open to changing their mind. And that means Thursday night's debate is really important. I mean, usually debates are overrated by people like us. We watch them, we like them, you know, right. but most voters are going to make either they watch and they it just confirms their prior judgment or they don't watch, honestly. But I kind of think for some number of swing voters in Iowa, Thursday night's important. Both the Cruz, uh, Trump kind of showdown, and then how much can Rubio persuade everyone who's inclined to support the others that, hey, you better get on the Rubio train? Uh, the depressing part to me is a guy who was kind of part of you know, getting the Tea Party started and wrote a book about it early on is watching the Tea Partiers jump on with Donald Trump because he represents so much that they told me again and again that these rallies they were event that they were against. He calls uh, uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, a, a whack job. I mean, that's kind of stuff that conservatives used to getting from John McCain. And so, you know, I just hear these Tea Partiers going, I was always against Northeastern moderates who thought we were crazy. And then I met Donald Trump and I fell in love and I don't understand it, Bill. No, I, I was talking to someone else about that this morning I, who's also a Tea Party sympathizer, maybe not quite as close to it as you were but or have been, but uh, had the exact same thought. And he said, well, do people just not know? I mean, but, and will it make a difference? Trump is quoted this morning saying, I get along fine with Pelosi. I get along fine with Schumer. I'm going to work with Democrats on Capitol Hill. I believe it is objectively true that the odds are that Donald Trump, if he were nominated and elected president, would do less to challenge the status quo on Capitol Hill than any of the other leading Republican candidates. I mean, Trump and Clinton is the most crony capitalist kind of race you could imagine. Just what the Tea Party is against. No commitment to the Constitution, no commitment to limited government, no commitment to fundamental change in the way Washington works. And maybe... Tea Party types, and I'm a sympathizer of theirs, and I've been a supporter or defender of them, uh, will kind of wake up to this. Or maybe their anger and dissatisfaction is just so great that they will express it by voting for Trump. But as I, as I said to Laura Ingram, I was on her radio show this morning, look, I take the anger and dissatisfaction seriously, and I respect it. But you, you can also be misled when you act out of anger and dissatisfaction and, and, and uh, even despair uh, and, and you know think hard about what Donald Trump would be like as president. I heard the best pitch for Trump 
I've heard yet, uh, and it came from the Donald a couple of days ago when he said, I'm greedy. I've always been greedy. I've been you know, always been taking for me, 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 me. And now I want to be greedy for America. And I think that that may be the most credible argument that Trump has made. In other words, you're absolutely right. I've been totally opportunistic. I have no principles whatsoever. Put my opportunistic principle free, you know, tools to work for America, Tea Partiers. Let's go. Yeah, no, I, I think that's probably the best place for him to go, given that he doesn't really want to defend his past record and his past statements. I, you know, does one believe it? That's a question. And how would he understand what it means to, quote, work for America? That's another question. So, look, I, I am worried that we're living in Donald Trump's America. I, I, though I don't think we will be, because I really do think uh, I, I see no reason to disbelieve the polls that show Trump losing to either Clinton or Sanders. I'm not really buying into the argument that suddenly he will dislodge huge numbers of independent voters uh, who will suddenly support Trump. That just hasn't been evident in the polls so far. So I think he's more likely a losing Republican nominee than a, a winning Republican candidate. And I still think, I would still bet, if it were even on money bet, against Trump being the nominee. And you and I can make this bet, and I will take mm-hmm. you to a nice, a nice, a nice dinner here. <laughs> no, at no, some I couldn't eat it. Frequented, I would... frequented by D.C. lobbyists and Republican <laughs> establishment types who will be, you know, drinking their fourth scotch on the rocks, exactly. drowning. But actually, they won't be drowning their sorrows because, as the D.C. lobbyist types have been saying, the Trent Lots and the, and actually the Bob Doles mm-hmm. and other lobbyists quoted in that Washington Post piece over the weekend and elsewhere, they're okay with Trump. He's a deal maker. They're deal makers. No problem at all. It really is amazing how much the D.C. types uh, much dislike Ted Cruz and fear Ted Cruz so much more than Donald Trump. And the, uh, the other thing that's fascinating to me is when you listen to Trump defenders, and I spoke to a Tea Party leader today, and she was trashing Ronald Reagan in order to make her case that everybody abandons their principles, and Reagan voted for Hubert Humphrey. And I'm like, Hubert Humphrey? Well, when he ran for Senate in 1947. Oh, okay, okay. And I keep asking them, why do you turn to Trump when you have real live Tea Party candidates? Ted Cruz, a Tea Party candidate. Marco Rubio, a Tea Party candidate. And so far, at least the leadership of the Tea Party uh, seems to be impervious to any logic. It is simply Trump is our guy because he is our guy and we're going to win with our guy, period. Yeah, and it, incidentally, was he even around in 09, 2009, oh. 2010, when the Tea Party was getting going? Did he contribute to the Rubio campaign, I mean, or to the Cruz campaign, for he that matter? He actually contributed I, to the Christ campaign when Rubio had to beat Chris so Tea Partiers could win. Yeah, That's so I, I, I hope, I mean, I hope that record matters to people, and I hope Tea Partiers do sit back for a minute and think, what was that all about? It wasn't just mm-hmm. unhappiness. In a way, it was the enemies of the Tea Party who tried to caricature it as pure protest, unhappiness, uh, despair, you know, mm-hmm. uh, reaction. And people like us who said, wait a second, there's a pretty coherent message there. There's a message about returning to constitutional limited government. There's a message about self-reliance and about a kind of American, old-fashioned American virtues. It really would be a bad thing for the country, for conservatives for the Republican Party if the Tea Party just uh, forgets what what motivated it in the first place and what it stood for and I think still stands for. Uh, so the argument that since it appears that there's a certain segment of the uh, Trump voter that is impervious to information, is there an argument to be made? One of the things I've heard a lot of people saying is uh, stop talking about ideology or policies at all. Go after Trump the guy. Because it is a cult of personality candidacy, and if you make him mockable, then his uh, voters shake loose. Does that seem like a smart strategy, Bill? And if you were going to go after Trump as a guy, what would be the spots, where, where would the target be? 
I mean, I think some voters will respond to information that he's not a conservative, not a reliable conservative, uh, and others will respond to information that he's a creep and a bully and has mistreated a lot of little people on his way up and has been proud of doing so. I'm not sure which of the stories you, people can read Matt Labash's piece in the new weekly standard, this week's weekly it's standard. Great. It is great, and see which 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 incident or set of incidents most outrage them about Trump. But I I think both probably are necessary to uh, pry different voters who are inclined towards him, off of him. Uh, I, I tend to think that if Trump looks weak, that that's the only, that that's the key. And losing Iowa with all this buildup, I wonder if it, if the buildup is so high that if somehow it ends up being a, a cruise win or a tie, that that doesn't kind of shake Trump universe. Then again, yeah, I, think- I could be totally wrong, and it could be on to New Hampshire, and he wins by 40 points there, and that's that. It could be, but I, I think that's quite possible. And I think if, if, in terms of looking weak, I think that's why Thursday night's debate is important. I think Cruz in particular, I mean, he's taken on Trump. He, he maybe didn't, he spent months avoiding it and almost embarrassingly ducking confrontations with Trump. Finally, he had to take him on. He has taken him on, and now they're really going at each other. There should be two or three exchanges, I should think, in Thursday night's debate where they go right at one another. And that will be important, I think. Cruz is a good debater, but Trump is a very skillful candidate as well. Well, uh, it'll be, I mean, a lot hinges on it for the future of uh, the party and the country, I think. So I don't want to be too lighthearted about it. But in a way, it, would, it should be entertaining and good television as well. And then we will follow it up with a post-debate instant reaction podcast right here at The Weekly Standard. Bill, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to The Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.